National Fishermen and Pacific Marine Expo are proud supporters of the Galley Stories podcast, as we make similar efforts to highlight the people and topics that define commercial fishing. You can see what that looks like in print and online all year long, as well as every November in Seattle when this community comes together at PME. Check out nationalfisherman.com and pacificmarineexpo.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond, hosted by Mark Kaler. My name is Penka Jane, podcast deckhand and longtime listener. We'd thank you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Here's today's catch. Hello guys and welcome to another installment of Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond. I am your host, Mark Kaler. Uh, today we have Captain Curtis Johnson with us, uh, currently the captain of the FV Icy Mist. Uh, a lot of uh, our listeners will know him from the Alaska Spirit, but uh, good afternoon, Curtis. How are you? Good afternoon. Doing good. Uh, let's dive right into it, Curtis. Where, where were you born, and what got you into the commercial fishing industry? I was born in Montana. Um, I had a cousin that owned the Pro Surveyor out of Seattle, and my brother went fishing about 1994 up there, and he came back with loads of money every year, so... I decided that that's what I wanted to do about 15 years old. So when I turned 18, went up there to Seattle, got on the first uh, king crab season in 1997. Went out there and uh, wondered what the heck I was doing out there. Honestly, probably never going to come back. Well, I got a check at the end of the season, realized that, yeah, this is, you know, this could work out for me. So went back the next OP season. Started out, Pro Surveyor was a uh, catcher processor. So I started out in the processing room, basically, processing crab. I was uh, part of case up, so what I did was put the crab in the boxes and, and threw it in the freezer and, you know, worked a, worked a year doing that. And my brother was on deck, so then I decided that it was probably time to start working my way out there, you know, where the big money was. So the next season I was able to get on deck doing bait. Everybody there was, you know, seasoned, and uh, I was 18 years old. Green, totally green. But they taught me quick. Mm-hmm. You know, they were all mid-40s, and there I was. <laughs> how, how long were you on the boat? Uh, the Pro Surveyor, I was on for nine years. Mm-hmm. Until the IFQ, until uh, rationalization started. Where'd, so, you go, where'd you go from there, and how did you get to where you went from there? So, basically, you know... Paul Duffy, the pro surveyor, he uh, told me that, uh, you know, they're just going to shut the boat down. He's going to lease the boat out. So there I was without a job for a year. But I got a call from uh, Tyler on the Alaska Spirit and told me that there was a position there. I had a, another deckhand that was on the pro surveyor. Was working out working on there with him. So we uh, jumped on. Me and my brother both jumped on there. Worked, started a cod season. And then worked in the crab from there. Mm-hmm. So one one cod season on the Alaska Spirit. Yeah, with, did one cod season, and then we started into crab, and from then on, you know, we just stopped, sold all the cod pots, and never fished cod again. Mm-hmm. But the OP quota, the king crab quota, were big enough that we didn't have to worry about that. So. So you've been on the Alaska Spirit for quite a while. Eighteen years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did your progression go on the Alaska Spirit? Uh, I worked. Uh, on deck there for I believe 11 years before I got offered a position as a captain for tendering so I was working in uh, Crystal Bay at the time running a little 32 foot over there gillnet and salmon and 
asked me if I wanted a tender, and I was like, well, yeah, gets my foot in the door for a bigger boat and better position. So I tendered for three or four years, and then I was able to get insured for the Bering Sea. So then I was able to run out and, and uh, do OPs and king grab, and, and uh, so I just kind of went from there. Mm-hmm. Um, when you first got out on deck, mm-hmm. and, and I imagine this is the Persevere, uh, you were uh, doing bait. Mm-hmm. But how how were the guys treating you, being that young guy on deck? Oh, I was uh, screamed at daily. Mm-hmm. Screamed at daily. It was uh, the more they screamed, the faster I went, though. So that's what that's what got me going. It was it was like, all right, well, I'm going to show you guys that I can do this, and that's what I'm going to do. So it was they, uh, you know, kind of took me under the wing and showed me everything. So it was it was a nice progression there. Mm-hmm. So. First job on a boat was in the processing side, mm-hmm. and then moving up to the deck and, and working your way through and on the Alaska Spirit. Um, Eighteen years on there, yeah. a lot of experiences. Yeah. Uh, what would be what would be one of your better experiences? Well, I guess you know working with Tyler was you know he's great a captain. He was one of those guys that just you know there's there's nobody else out there like him. It's uh. Um, Caught a lot of crab, got crab fast. So it was really hard to, you know, kind of follow in his shoes after he decided to retire. But, uh, you know, I would say, yeah, I don't, I don't really have really like the best experience. Yeah. yeah. What about the day you got the keys? The day I got the keys, I was nervous. That was, yeah, I was definitely nervous. And I uh, actually fished Bristol Bay season that summer and got back to Kodiak. And he had another guy running the boat for tendering at the time. So I jumped on with him and worked with him for about a week. And uh, then he decided he was jumping off. So there it was, <laughs> the Alaska Spirit. And I, uh, I uh, took off from town. And Tyler didn't even know that the other guy had jumped off. So I was just in the chair. Tyler called me up about a week later and he's like, what the heck's going on? Where are you at? <laughs> Didn't realize the other guy had even left. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I guess that's one way to do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that's back in the what, uh, 90s. In the or, 90s? Was that in the 90s? No, no. When I took the keys over for the for the Spirit, it was, uh, uh, what year was that? 2015, probably. So like almost a whole week of running the boat and nobody knew it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not the same communication lines we have today. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, today is so much easier to, to talk and communicate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so now you're on to another adventure though. Yeah. So you know with the OP shut down and and uh, really all I had left going on the spirit was tendering a little bit of halibut, fish halibut on there, and uh, just a tender position. I was offered this position you know through tender in this last summer to come out here and fish 45 million pound cod quota and i was like wow that sounds really good before i knew the price mm-hmm. <laughs> what what was what are some of the differences you see you see in uh, cod and in crab fishing because now you've done both well cod is definitely a lot harder fishing than what crab is i mean crab you're setting the pots and you let them soak and pick them up if you don't like it you move it cod you don't move cod come to you so you got to learn the right tide cycles and and uh learn when to set your pots and when not to haul your pots and you know we had a uh, 
three-man deck this last trip, so it was it was tough to even move gear. So they're mm -hmm. just haul until you drop, really. With crab, you don't have to do that. You could just, you know, if you're not seeing much, stop, let them soak. It doesn't work out, and then you move them. Mm -hmm. So it's a totally different fishery, totally different mentality. Yeah, so the time between pots and a, just for our listeners, the time between pots and a crab fishery, how often are you pulling that one pot up? Uh, we usually generally wait 24 to 36 hours. And what about for cod? About four hours. So it's turn and burn. It is turn and burn, yeah. As fast as you can turn those pots, I mean, with you know, with that state water season, there's a 60 pot limit, so you're going to run those 60 pots six times a day. As hard as you can. Yeah. So you'd, you'd, you'd say it's tougher than crab fishing? Way tougher, yeah. yeah. And you've done both. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What uh, what has been the worst experience you've had at sea? Um, well, back when we when I first started on the Alaska Spirit, um, we've had a few times, you know, traveling out where the ice is just so bad that you're listing over, you know, and we've we've seen this with a number of different boats, and you know, they end up just going down. But you're basically running up the Shelikoff and. Uh, the wind blows off the beach so hard there that you know you want to you want to hug the beach but the temperatures there are twice as cold than it is offshore so you know even though it seems like you're not taking a lot of waves you're building ice almost twice as fast as if you were to run 30 miles offshore and that's that's one of the worst places is is the Shelikoff coming down that that area and we've we've taken I mean every three hours you got to stop pull over off the side beat ice get the list off the boat when you got 150 pots on there that's you know it creates a lot of weight um and there was one time we hit about igvac which is about halfway down the shellacoff and we were listed over so far that we had to go into the bay and basically put the boat on the beach all the way up on the beach and we were taking pots from the crane and swinging these pots onto the stack to break the ice off it was probably four foot thick on the starboard side. That was after just three hours of running. But it gets it gets so cold out there that that's that's probably you know the worst that I've seen mm -hmm. is the icing conditions out here in January. Yeah, uh, ever ever have to do a mayday call? We've never had to do a mayday call. No. Never responded to one. Um, no, we've never had to respond to one. Um, you know, a few years ago. When the Scandies Rose went down, I was actually leaving that same night. And I started looking at the weather and looking at the temperatures, and I think there was a couple other boats that left with them. But uh, I decided for whatever reason that night I wasn't leaving. I was going to wait, you know, wait till the next day. Well, about midnight we got that call. Mm -hmm. And, you know, heard helicopters flying over the top of Kodiak, and, you know, and then I got a call saying that Scandies Rose went down. And, uh, so the next morning, I went and bought every tarp I could find, tarped up the whole stack, and and waited for a weather window, and then we took off. You know, when it was it was an airy feeling going by where you know where they were at, but we were just we were just a day behind them. I could have been in the same in that same position. Yeah, and it, our industry is such a small, tight community. You know, everybody's kind of impacted by. Absolutely, yeah. Gary was. Uh, I wouldn't say a friend, but uh, a good acquaintance of mine. So, and he was actually fishing uh, my cousin's crab at the time. So I knew him. Knew see him see that a small world? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, what in, in all these years you've been going since 1997? Mm-hmm. What has the sea given to you? Um, you know, I find a little bit of relaxation out here. Get away from the real world a little bit and get out here and just open water and go fishing. Really, you know, it's uh, you know, and the money part of it that's huge too. There's nowhere down south that I'd be able to make the kind of money that I make fishing. You know, it's uh, you know, you get that check at the end of the season, you go home, and I've I've got months off. Mm-hmm. I could spend with the family when the kids were little. You know, I've got I've got four kids, so that's uh, what's their ages. Uh, 26, 20, 19, and 17. You, you guys hear him say that, and if you're looking at Curtis, which there'll be a picture posted with the episode, but if you look at Curtis, you think that he might have a five-year-old, but you certainly wouldn't think he has a 26-year-old. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, obviously, it's given you the stability to take care of that family and other things, but what has it taken from you? The time. The time being out here. The time fishing. You know, not really being able to see the kids grow up the way my wife does. You know, when I get home, I'm just like, yeah, everybody loves to see me, and I'm there. And we take the kids out camping, especially when they were younger. It was really nice. I didn't work, you know, all I worked was crab when they were younger. So I would work from January until March, come home, and I had the rest of the year off. So, you know, and that was, I did a little bit of construction in the summertime, but you know, as, as the market crashed in 2008, I believe, I uh, stopped doing construction and just went full-time fishing. Mm-hmm. And so, and since then, I haven't seen, I haven't seen the kids much at all. I mean, they, they know me for, you know, when I come home and I've got the money and I paid the bills and mom's the boss. Something can be said about that extra, you know, that length of time off though. Yeah. You can get really totally immersive in that three yeah. months or five months or two months that you have that's a hundred percent yeah that's a hundred percent of the time with the kids and with the wife and you know we do what we want to do and the wife's never had to work mm-hmm. um so we want to take a trip we just take a trip you know the, i mean the biggest thing is the schools obviously with the kids and trying to find the right time to take them out take them away and it was easy when they were young but mm-hmm. especially you know once they started hitting high school and stuff like that and everybody had jobs and do you see your kids getting into it? Uh, my son has actually been fishing with me since he was nine years old. You're still doing it? Still doing it. He uh, came out to Bristol Bay at nine. We fished about a month and a half there, and he was just tiny. So we had a, I had him sitting inside a blue tote at the end of the salmon slide. All he was doing was just basically popping the gill on the fish and throwing him in the fish hole. And that's, that was his job, but... You know, he'd sit in there with his rain gear, and he'd come out of there just a bloody mess. <laughs> <laughs> bleeding him, yeah. Yeah. Just did did you pay him, or was this uh, was no. this family labor? <laughs> no, he he's gotten paid ever since. Yeah. You know, and he's uh, and since then he's tendered with me on the Alaska Spirit for for the rest of the years. And he's so it sounds up. like he's going to continue. Yeah. yeah. So you got a second generation family uh, fisherman in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He he uh, definitely wants to stay fishing. So mm-hmm. I would have him on the boat with me right now, but. He's got some other medical issues going on. So there's not a lot of guys anymore that started on the processing deck and uh, and are out there running their own boats. You know, it's just not long ago. It was a kind of a progression, right? Because it was so hard to get a job on the water. Um, what would you suggest to anyone listening that's looking to get a job on the water? Was that a good step to start? 
the way that you did. Yeah, it was. It was. It was, uh, you know, kind of gets you out there and you can kind of see what's going on. I mean, I guess with the processing part of it, if you were to able to step on a CP, which they just don't have anymore, there's, I think, just a couple CPs left. CP being a catcher. Catch, catcher processor. Mm -hmm. So you're able to see, you know, the catching side of things as well. Um, as far as just jumping on a big processor, you're not able to see that. Mm. So I don't, you know, I don't know. I've never fished on just a straight processing boat. I don't know what their what their lives are like on there, but I can't imagine it's, you know, anything like catching. No. So, yeah. it's, uh, yeah. Being on the catching side of things, I mean, I would, I would say it's, a much better deal than jumping on a processor. It's seems like the nat natural progression now on the processing side would be to try to get your butt on the dock. Yeah. Working in the dock crew, right? Right. You see these captains come in and you try to show them what you can do. Right, exactly. Yep. You ever you ever look at guys on the dock and see experience that you like? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've, uh, well, we've been delivering to St. Paul for years. There's a couple guys up there. I'm like, you know, if you ever, ever need a job, give me a call. You know, but I don't. Some people like the water, some people don't. It's, you know, you gotta love it. Boy, it, it, it's just like that too. Yeah. yeah, you gotta love it to be out here because it's miserable. So, so then what would your advice be for someone that wants to get in? Um, I would say come up, you know, and uh, maybe start a salmon season or something, you know, something on a smaller boat, smaller scale. Mm -hmm. See if you like it, you know, if you can handle the weather. A lot of people get seasick, so that's, you know, that's a really tough deal. If, you know, some people never get over it. Right. You're sick the whole time. I mean, that's not a not a way to live. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's uh, I would say, yeah, just start on a smaller scale and see what you think. Okay, well, Curtis. Thanks for taking the time today to uh, give us a little story. Yeah. Um, I'll let you end it. And with, uh, do you have anything final? Any, any final notes, comments? Um, I'll just say, you know, do what you love. I love to fish. I'll be out here till you know, till the end probably. And so I can't imagine myself ever doing a day job, you know, land job nine to five. Come out here and just work until you drop. Okay. But that's that's about all I got. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again, Curtis. And uh, all right, guys. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening to Galley Stories. We hope you like what the net brought in. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Whether you like it or not, we're not fishing for compliments. Look us up on Facebook and Twitter, too. And reach out to us at galleystories at gmail.com.